I feel like we're going to get like a Don Cherry-esque rant from you about Jonathan Quick when we actually talk about this. <laughs> so I'm like real excited. <laughs> I'm going to try really hard not to rant, but I do have things to say. Oh, well, when I was talking about the defensive game of Jeff Carter last week, I was like, all right. I, it was like me as Mike Carter or as Mike Richards and trying to talk about Kopitar, just like deep breath. Okay, go. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't get too enthused. <laughs> Everybody brace yourself. <laughs> I would listen to Mike Richards talk about pretty much any player because I love when he reviews players because he has so many opinions, but especially players that he clearly really respects. Like, I mean, and you expect it with Jeff Carter, but it's still great. But then, like, when he came to L.A. and talked about uh, Kobitar all the time, it was amazing. It was just, like, serious fanboy material. That clip where, I, f- I forget who asks him about it, but he does, maybe it's Patrick O'Neill, where he does, like, take that breath. Yeah. And then it's like, here we go. It's like, take a breath, he's got a half smile, and then he tries to be, like, super cool and, like, calm and collected. Yeah. But inside, he's just, like, wanting to shake the interviewer, being like, this person is great. They are Do the best. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's one of my favorite things about Mike Richards becoming an LA King. It's just, like, be- also becoming the president of the Kopitar fan club. Um, to, to the point where, you know, in interviews, even Jeff Carter was like, yeah, he talked to me about Kopitar all the time. How <laughs> about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Galagoski, he gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, here for, uh, kind of like it. Richard puts it in front, Carter, scores! Well done, boy. Here's some swagger. Push on the shove, we're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey everybody, welcome to the Thanks Bud Podcast. This is episode number five. I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Fan. And we are back again to bring you more stuff about the Kings. Um, they've only played two games this week, so the stats and whatnot haven't changed too much, but they've been very interesting in a number of ways. The record right now is 7-4-0. and Points leader still Andre Kopitar, but he has a goal. So that is new and exciting. So exciting. Yeah, one goal. 10 assists, and then um, second to him are tied. Williams and Carter both have eight points. Carter has five goals. Williams has four. Good stuff kind of coming along. I mean, I don't know. It's weird to think about, actually, because there are players in the league that have so many more points already. Um, not that everybody can be Sidney Crosby, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but would, wouldn't it be nice if we had a couple of Sidney Crosbys? Ugh, if only. If only. But technically, Kopitar is a point-per-game player, 11 games, 11 points, so it's not all bad. Looking pretty good, actually, so far. So maybe instead of um, everyone pushing the 82 goals and 82 games for Jeff Carter, we should be pushing 82 points for um, 82 games, or more points, actually, for Andre yeah. Kopitar. Yeah, I think it uh, looks looking good right now, so that's where I'm at. Hopefully that goal in the last game will be like, we'll just kind of like open the floodgates. And oh, yeah. um, he'll have like an eight point night. That'd that be would be beautiful. The game against Phoenix was technically like his second three point game this season. So I'm hoping that we'll see a lot more from Kobitar. He's clearly, you know, doing a lot of work and racking up points somehow, even when he's not scoring goals. So, uh, I mean, he's still a player to watch. He's been the points leader for the last few seasons. Kopitar is um, continuing to do his thing. Speaking of the games, though, very different in that one of them you would think would be a really easy game for the Kings, and they managed to make it a disaster, um, and that's obviously the game against Calgary. 
But then the other one, the game against Phoenix, ended up being amazing, but not because the Kings had finally managed to put together a complete 60 minutes. In fact, they like let some of their, you know, notorious bad habits still show. But on the on the spectrum, one game was awesome in terms of offense, and the other game was super disappointing and frustrating. I was actually really angry about the Calgary game. It was a mess. Um, after we were chatting during and after the game, and all I got was just like a slew of angry texts from you about uh, what garbage that game was. It but was terrible. Despite the win, I mean, both or the win in um, in or against the Coyotes, both games were infuriating for different reasons. Yeah, I technically didn't get to watch the third period of the Phoenix game because I had other plans. Um, so Diane kept me updated on it. And then I went back and watched like the highlights and whatnot later. And it was both completely LA Kings typical, uh, what happened, but also so frustrating because you do hope against hope that maybe they will have gotten it together this time. <laughs> but no, of course, they give up, you know, two more goals. They'd already given up two in the second period. Why would I expect anything else from this we, team? We were so pessimistic at the beginning, too, because after the first period, everyone gave them a standing ovation after their four goals. And immediately we were like, oh, my gosh, we're so excited. But everything is going to go wrong, right? This, oh, yeah. There's a Everybody second. Knew. There's a second period coming up. You know our history with second periods in that they are garbage. So um, we were proven right. Um, I really wanted to be proven wrong, but we were proven right, and they gave up the two goals, which was like, which was a down, it was a downer, but still not terrible, and then very early in the third, they let in two more, and then, like, it was just, I was so dejected over it, just like watching them lose a four-goal lead. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, you couldn't actually be surprised. And actually, like, with that second period, I was like... They didn't get grossly, grossly outshot. Um, uh, John Rosen, LA Kings insider, posted this tweet that was saying, you know, so far this season they've been outscored 9-4 to four in second periods. Um, so actually it was pretty impressive to me that they didn't manage to give up all four goals during the second <laughs> period. I was like, yes, optimism. Um, and But then, of course, they were like, oh, we have some catching up to do on being terrible at the beginning of the third period. And they were like, so here are those other two goals. We meant to give them to you earlier. Here they are now. I guess at least it wasn't giving them, like, two goals late in the third with no chance to kind of get the momentum back and get the goals back and therefore win it. So, I mean, good time management by yeah. the Kings in that regard. Like, if you're going to give up two goals, thank you for doing it in the beginning of the third and not, uh, you know, 30 seconds near the end, a.k.a. Calgary. Yeah, I love that we're in a place where we um, give them major credit for not screwing up at the end of the game. <laughs> so, because that's our life now. Grasping at straws when it comes to certain things. But, okay, but despite all that, I mean, they also, the thing about the Calgary game too, just to touch on that a little bit more before we move on to what was actually really awesome about the Phoenix game. But um, the thing about the Calgary game is that they... They didn't play terribly, but they were not strong enough. And then, on top of not being strong enough, they took way too many penalties. So they literally handed over this game in a lot of ways. Like, it didn't have to end that way. But they were like, you know what? Take it. Here is a gift. 
It Three was, power play goals. It was extremely undisciplined playing from the Kings with just... It was especially surprising with Andre Kopitar, who doesn't get sent to the penalty box very often, to get one in the dying seconds of the third period, which then, of course, 30 seconds left, um, the the Flames net one in. So it was just... In, in that way, it was just extremely frustrating. It, they weren't getting outplayed, they weren't getting outskated, but they were just constantly going to the penalty box that could have been prevented, so that was um, upsetting to watch. Yeah, technically they outshot the Flames in that game, not by a crazy margin. They outshot them in the first period, and then both teams were even for shots on goal through the second and the third. So, like, the game could have gone in the Kings' favor. It still wouldn't have been their strongest game, which would have been disappointing because it's Calgary, but it didn't have to to end up being what it was. And so I think that was what was particularly upsetting to me because it was like, this should have been a really easy game for you. And So after the after the after losing to the Rangers in the home opener and now losing, losing to Calgary, um, when the Sabres roll into town in early November, um, if we lose to them... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am going to march the streets. I don't know. Just for- Prepare yourself for it now, because it looks like it's going to happen. Maybe not on the road. Like, that. I was thinking about that, because I was like, well, you know, maybe they're on pace to, like, give every crappy team a game, but they didn't for the Panthers, and then I realized that's because they were on the road. So maybe it's only at home they'll just hand over these really bad games sometimes. Well, the pan- the Panthers just lost to the Sabres. So that's true. I, who knows in this wacky NHL world that we're living in? And then I was thinking about the the Devils, if we lose to them. Um, oh. oh, don't. Because <laughs> that would be upsetting. Like, not only are they currently a garbage team, but also we beat them in the Stanley Cup um, two years ago. Well, yeah, I'm so looking forward to that TV broadcast just to hear them talk about that fact over and over again all night. Please don't ruin it by losing to them. The last time the Devils were here, they lost terribly to the Kings in the Stanley Cup finals. And here they are. The score is 6-2 Devils. See, like, I don't want to hear <laughs> yeah. that. Please. Don't do it to me. Uh, I deserve so much better. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Despite those complaints, though, I actually do want to talk about all the stuff that was really fun about the Phoenix game. So we should do that. Starting, of course, with how uh, Andre Kopitar um, broke his goalless streak dating back to last season of 26 games. Early, early, the Coyotes took a penalty 21 seconds in. Andre Kopitar capitalizes. He takes one shot at the net and it is um, saved, but then he sticks with it. They keep it in the zone, shoots again, scores. And so Andre Kopitar has a goal, first goal of the game. It's 1-0 Kings. Um, great start. I loved seeing all the cheers, um, including my own, but seeing the cheers inside the Staples Center of everyone who knew that Andre Kopitar was fishing for his first goal, and once he got it, everyone just erupting into, like, delighted cheers. Yeah, it was lovely to see. Um, And even uh, Bob Miller, I put this in the recap blog, but he was like, you know, he warmed up with Ellen DeGeneres yesterday and he gets the first goal of the game today. So plenty of, uh, especially because watching that Ellen thing, I think we all sort of had the same feeling of like, man, it would be really great to see Kopitar shoot some pucks at the net and score in a game. And then he came through really early. So uh, thanks, Kopi. Yeah, that was literally everyone's thought. That was just like, oh, he's shooting that many pucks at the net and they're all going in? Hmm. I wonder where this could be applied. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he he didn't make us uh, wait too much longer. So I felt really good about that. And then before they could even finish talking about Andre Kopitar's goal, like literally they were still talking about how great a player he is to work with. And 
Kobachar makes this lovely little behind the back pass to Dwight King. Dwight King turns, scores on Mike Smith. He looks he looks so surprised doing it too. He's like, Oh, I guess that like afterwards yeah. when they were all going in for their hugs, he's like, I yeah, I was there and I yeah, shot okay. it and it went awesome. Cool. Yeah, it was it was I mean, I felt that way as well. I was like, oh, so it, good job, Dwight King. The next goal was the one that was really surprising to me because when you hear the words Nolan, Frazier, two-on-one, you don't necessarily think that anything is going to happen from that. No, um, no. So then Frazier shoots for the rebound, and Nolan gets it, the rebound and knocks it right in. So that was unexpected but delightful. I have like slightly more expectations for Fraser Nolan than I did for like Carcillo to Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but already this early in the season, I've been proven wrong on both those accounts because it turns out they can accomplish things. So wow. And then Dwight King gets his second still in the first period. This one was super bizarre because it was on a shot from Robin Regeer. I say that really slowly just so you can <laughs> absorb it because I did at, at first and when it was like said to because I wasn't, you know, watching at that moment, but I heard a shot from Robin Regeer and then I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and but then it was off White King. And so it was the second goal, which was easier for me to process than the idea that Robin Regeer might score a goal for the Kings someday. Robin Regeer, Robin Regeer actually had quite a few shots on goal this past game yeah yeah well also he led the kings um in even strength scoring chances in the calgary game which i don't know if that speaks to robin regeer having some value or just like how off their game the kings were against calgary but either way am i gonna turn is robin regeer getting better am i gonna start liking robin regeer is this some kind of weird backwards world that we live in Maybe that's what happens when you experience the tunnel of death. Is that what it's called? It's called the tunnel of death, which was, um, I went into a tunnel of death, looking like researching him and reading all of the wonderful things about um, Calgary fans and Calgary bloggers being like, you take care of them, Sabres, like when he got traded to the Sabres. Oh, um, no. Like, you guys got something good. And <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Wow. So I think that's what happened. We all experienced a tunnel of death, and now we've just sort of been Stockholmed. <laughs> um, apparently, we're all going to slowly become Robin Regeer fans. So everybody prepare yourselves. It's much like the Carcillo train, where we are all just kind of like wary, skeptical about Carcillo being a thing, and and then I talked for like three minutes about him last week. So oh yeah, even even me, and I take I have taken great joy in making fun of Dan Carcillo, but I can't even deny like he's been fun to watch so far like again you know we're 11 games in but so far i am enjoying watching people that i super did not expect to and that's bizarre <laughs> you know and then we talked about how the kings gave up four goals to coyotes players i don't care about uh, except one of them was um halpern who used to be a king and that seems to be a trend where like if you used to play for the kings you're going to score against the kings this season um but other than that who cares and then, you know, it's tied 4-4. It's like, all right, well, the Kings have scored four goals. They've had trouble. They've had trouble scoring goals in recent years. I'm not going to hope too much that they manage to uh, get, you know, take a lead again here, especially not when Mike Richards gets a breakaway. But this one he scores on, and it was really awesome. Shorthanded goal. Instead of going for the five hole, which is what he, I think, seemed to be going for in the last three break- breakaways, he... Uh, 
stuck with it and slid it in past Grice's foot and knocked it right in. And a shorty for a shorty. It's actually kind of funny because in the Calgary game, they broke their uh, penalty kill streak and responded to that by then getting two shorthanded goals in two games. So way to be overachievers, guys. I like it. Yeah. And and I mean, the other fun thing about that, too, is that the shorthanded goal in the Calgary game was originally credited to Mike Richards, but then, you know, it was reviewed and was like, oh, it's Jeff Carter's goal. Um, And so Mike Richards' next game, he finally got one for himself. Good job. First goal of the year, and it's a shorty on a breakaway. Yeah, and now he's tied um, with uh, uh, Martin St. Louis for the most shorthanded goals scored um, among active NHL players at 28. So apparently... Mike Richards is pretty good at scoring shorthanded goals. Who would have known, based on these last few games, where breakaways seem to be a trouble thing? <laughs> but maybe not anymore. So, so the Kings go up 5-4. Still plenty of time left in the period for Phoenix to come back. But instead of things going terribly, um, Drew Doughty takes a shot, and it deflects off of Matt Frattenstick, and he also gets his first goal of the season. So, it was, great news. It was a game of a lot of firsts. And I was, we were just talking actually during the game prior because both Kopitar and Mike Richards got a goal and we were thinking about other people who haven't gotten goals yet. And we were really hoping that Fratton got a goal and lo and behold, he answered our calls and scored one in. Yeah, he, um, you know, he started out on left wing and it wasn't really working out. And Sutter benched him after some mistakes, even when he was moved down to other lines, but then put him back and he had like a decent game against Calgary, actually. And in this one, he was a lot better. And then Sutter um, also told LA Kings insider John Rosen, I think that we were probably way out of line to think that we were going to play Fratton on left wing or to Foley on left wing. And so now they're going to let Fratton play right wing. In this game against Phoenix, he was on a line with Richards and Carter, but Richards was playing left wing to Carter's center, um, and then Fratton was right right wing. So I I guess it's working. He scored finally, so that's pretty cool. Such a weird line shift. Yeah, although there was another thing talking about Fratton in the LA Times where Sutter was saying that, I don't know if this is what makes it more difficult for players who try to play on on the left wing with Carter and Richards, but they switch places constantly, like sometimes in the same game. They're just playing with each other for so long that they can do that. And so players who join them have to adjust to that. And clearly it's been difficult for a lot of people so far. And then last but not least, because why win Mm 6-4 when you can win 7-4? And when the Coyotes pulled their goalie, um, I thought for sure that they were going to score a goal. And then... Oh, yeah. Like, 6-5. I, oh, yeah. I thought that it was they were going to come back because, once again, pessimism um, is strong in both of us. But luckily, Kopitar fights for the puck and does a nice pass to Dwight King. And Dwight King scores an empty net and gets a hat trick. Which is awesome. It was great watching or like seeing the little um, stats posted anytime he scored. Because at first it was like, you know, his second of the season. Then it was, you know, he scored a second goal. And it was like the first time he's ever had a two-goal game in his whole career. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, you know, first career hat trick. What a great night (laughs) to just bump up the ranks like that. The phrasing of the the no more than one goal scored, like, uh, caption was just like never so scored good. never scored more than a goal a game it was just like so like <laughs> yeah. he's never done this before this is strange um yeah. and so i thought that was great 
But yeah, <laughs> I loved that. first uh, multi-goal game and a first hat trick. So good on you, Dwight King. And and Kopitar assisted two of his goals. So um, even though seeing a top line that included Dwight King was something that I was super wary of, it worked out in the end on this particular night. Does that mean we're going to continue to see Dwight King on the I top line? Because <laughs> I, I was like really excited and then I was like tweeting it out and I was going to do hashtag... Uh, top line left wing Dwight King and I was like wait but do I want that like I know it was good this time but in terms of a long-term deal I don't know how I feel about it so that's I was like oh man is this is this just gonna be more evidence for him to stay on the top line oh for sure it was like simultaneously like yay and then oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) as you think as you think of the bigger picture you're like oh well shit but I, don't, I guess we'll see. I mean, because also at the same time, it wasn't like this game was a great, great game overall for the team. So it worked out. But even Sutter was like, this is kind of an anomaly, maybe not a trend. We'll see, I guess, what happens. Kudos to the journalist who was like, can you spell anomaly? Yeah. <laughs> like, way to, way to sass Daryl Sutter there, guys. <laughs> oh, he actually uh, was pretty sassy this week himself. I mean, he always is. But with his comments about possibly trying Alex Martinez <laughs> at left wing. I loved that. It's like, how did you think of this? Oh, when he was trying to be a forward instead of a defenseman. Yeah. Well, it, when he was, what was it? It was like every time he was trying to back check when he was supposed to do the skating, skating backwards. backwards. Yeah. Oh, you thought for a second he was slightly legitimate, but actually he was just taking a dig at left wings and Alec Martinez <laughs> at the same time. You know, with that said, that is still a problem for the Kings. They have that left wing hold of Hill. And I mean, for the past, definitely last season, but even, you know, in the 2011-2012 season, there's sort of, you know, this gaping hole on the left wing and they need to figure out what to do. They're still carrying eight defensemen. We have a Tanner Pearson just, you know, hanging out in the AHL. People are thinking, is it time for the Kings to make a move or is that coming soon? And I guess it'll be interesting to see in the future games whether this Phoenix game just delayed the inevitable a little bit or if this is actually, a, you know, the Kings are changing and getting more on their game and maybe the line won't, lineup won't change that much. I don't know. Do you, th- do you think it's more likely that they change sooner or later? In your opinion. I feel like the Kings would not let it fester, but kind of let everything settle a little bit more. It's still, once again, it's a month into the season. I mean, um, there seems to have been a lot of activity. You know, a coach was fired three games in. There have been suspensions and injuries and all sorts of craziness happening. So I, I feel like it's more than it is, but it has only been um, 11 games. And I feel like the Kings will let... You know, they're still doing line shuffling. They're still trying to figure things out even among their core guys. So I feel like the possibilities are there. They obviously know, you know, what's happening. Um, But that they'll try out what they have a little bit longer. I don't know how much longer, but just a little bit longer before they make any trades. Yeah, and I mean, just to speak to your point about, you know, bringing up Philadelphia and them firing Laviolette three games in, like, right now, the Kings players, you know, and management have the luxury of being like, well, technically, the team is winning more than they're losing. So they can take a little bit more time because it's not, it's not ideal. And it's not what anybody expected for this team. But I mean, unless you're a Kings fan, and then you totally expected it. But it's also not dire. So 
I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see movement in the, you know, in the coming weeks, but um, I don't necessarily think, especially after having a game against Phoenix, and if like the centers can keep scoring and you know you keep having production out of depth players, it won't necessarily happen as hastily as we all probably thought after that Calgary game. It's it's tough because the games haven't been pretty. The wins haven't been pretty. They haven't been runaways or anything like that. And and the record that we have kind of belies our playing, essentially, in that yeah. we are up 7-4, but they a lot of them were by the skin of our teeth. So, um, yes, there is the luxury of, hey, we have more wins than losses, but they just... I mean, there's going to have to be some change fairly soon. Yeah. Or the Kings just need to be consistent and play 60 minutes. I don't oh, know. That's, we'll see that's, which happens first. That's asking too much, Chanel. That's too much. Oh, oh, sorry. I was like slightly optimistic for a second. I don't know. Second periods don't exist. It's break time. <laughs> right, right. It's a 40-minute game. I forgot. I thought it was 60. No. It's not, though. But I think it'll, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but one factor that we have not talked about, which may also affect what the Kings are doing, goaltending. Um, I've started to see a few things about Jonathan Quick and his save percentage. So far, he is he's over 900. So there's that. He is um, 904. and with But his goals against are 2.71. Um, he is tied with several other goaltenders in wins right now for third, third in the league, but his save percentage among all the goaltenders who have started games, um, he's 36th out of 48, I believe was the number. Ouch. That is not, go- not great. <laughs> no, it could be, could be better. So, but that's one thing that the Kings, nobody's actually really focused on whether or not that affects sort of this record. Like, they're 7-4, they're they haven't played a full 60 minutes, but maybe their record would look a little stronger if, you know, Quick was saving more things. So my question now is, is that something we should be focusing on? Like, is, should we be worried about Jonathan Quick? I personally am not worried about Jonathan Quick. It's just like one of those things, you let in a few soft goals, everyone does it. Um, and there have been a lot of times he's made some you know, highlight worthy saves, but I think a lot of people are just like, oh, has he reached his peak? Is this like, is this down? It's all downhill from there. But I mean, after the 2012 Stanley Cup run, it's like he was just such a champ during that run that I feel like it gave everyone an unreasonable expectation as to his everyday performance. Like he's not going to be in playoff beast mode um, for 82 games in a season. And so uh, I think it's come to be where every time he starts, we expect to see him standing on his head, make, making these miraculous saves, going back to his less than two goals um, against for every game. And I mean, that's not the case, and but that's not necessarily worrying. It's just that we're comparing it off a very um, extreme outlier of a sample. Yeah, and that's that's what I think about a lot when people talk about Jonathan Quick is, and again, this is always a challenge for me because I don't want to sound like as much of a um, Jonathan Quick fangirl as I am, which is a big one. But I just I'm just like look at the whole all of his numbers. This is his fifth full, uh, you know, asterisk because last season was in fact shortened, but fifth full season as um, a Kings starter. He came into the NHL and he was never. A goaltender that people were like, this guy is going to be number one, just blowing everybody out of the water. You already mentioned 
obviously 2011-2012 season, he was amazing. The specific numbers, just in case anybody needs a reminder. During the regular season, he put up a, a 9-2-9 save percentage with 1.95 goals against. That's regular season. This does not include his playoff numbers at all. However, his career... His career numbers in the regular season are 914 save percentage um, and 2.13 goals against average, which is okay. Like, they're good numbers. They're not, like, crazy outstanding numbers. But then you sort of set that up against um, his career playoff stats, which are as crazy, you know, right up there with his amazing, um, you know, 2011-12 total season numbers. Um, Save percentage, 929, and goals against average, 2.03. 2.03. So he's, um, everybody knows he's awesome in the playoffs. He's proved that time and time again, even last season, which was definitely his worst season as a starting goaltender um, in the NHL. He had, he, he made it finally at the end of the season. He was below 900 for most of that season. And then finally at the end, he was, you know, they'd won enough games that he was bumped up to um, nine, 902. So not good, but and, and like he's, he can be great, and I think the challenge for Jonathan Quick, obviously, is to find some consistency. Like, you have that crazy superhero 2011-2012 season and that playoff run that, you know, eventually won the Kings the Cup, and that's amazing, but it's not like he's been that way since he came into the NHL and played his first game in a Kings uniform or whatever. Like, So I think I'm not worried about him, but I do want him to get himself together. He's got plenty of time. We're 11 games in. He's got plenty of time to figure it out. Um, but people should keep that in mind that he hasn't always been like um, Henrik uh, Lundqvist, who has put up 30 wins or more with the exception of last season's shortened season, which he would have because he was at like 20-something in 48 games, um, who has put up 30 or more wins his entire career. So I think Jonathan Quick has time. He's he's very good. I th- I believe he will just continue to trend upward and find that consistency, but that is obviously his challenge. Um, And so another big question that has come up is he was obviously the preseason favorite to start for Team USA, and now it's like, oh, he's had kind of a shaky start. Are his chances for Sochi out the window? I don't know. Do you think he still has a shot at Team USA? Do you think there's anybody who has proven themselves better than him already? Oh, yeah. American hero Ryan Miller with the Buffalo Sabres (laughs) definitely deserves the uh, opening spot over... Jonathan Quick. I mean, no. And and like last year was also like like you said last year was Quick's last season. Guess what? The Kings still made it to the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something to be he's not losing anyone games <laughs> or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's a super strong team in front of him that's scoring a ton of goals and then, you know, it's him letting everything through. Um not his best start, but I don't think one that is um threatening his uh, his contention as the starter for for uh, Team USA. I mean, this is a very different situation than, say, Claude Giroux, who a lot of people are saying with his performance uh, at the beginning of these games, uh, or the season, uh, his his chances at the Canadian team are, are dwindling. So, and this is, like, not the same situation. He's fine, maybe not as good as we all trump um, Jonathan Quick to be, but it's not going to it's not going to take the Olympics away from him. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would take a lot more sucking for him <laughs> to be in true danger here. Yeah. Um, I mean, and obviously, like, he is 
right now performing below average for his career stats, and I want those to get better, and I think it's totally possible that they will. I'm not in panic mode. I don't even think he necessarily needs a sports psychologist yet. I don't know. The sports psychologist is doing uh, Marc-Andre Fleury some good, and I would... (laughs) That's also... It's still a funny image. I still can't get over it. (laughs) Full gear... Sitting on a fainting couch. Yeah, that's what's happening. Tell me your problems. Uh, and, you know, maybe eventually Jonathan Quick will join him. That's fine. As long as, as long as it works. But I'm just saying we're just not quite at that point yet. What if there's just, like, a group, like, psychiatry meetings? Like, everyone in full gear. No one is, <laughs> no one is in normal clothes. Goalie group Just, like, in a, in a circle, just be, just, like, talking it out. Yeah. You know, they all gotta stick together. And they're just having sort of, like, a group therapy session. I'm down for it. Like, and it's, like, all goalies who have had, at some point or another, had to... Um, hold up their team. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, and I what's that. what's great is that they're like confessing all of their um, you know, their inner thoughts, but they're sitting like three feet away from each other. Yes. Because of all of their pads. <laughs> you know, like they're trying to be emotionally close, but they are physically like in another planet. Right. Yeah. I love um, it. Let's do that, it. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's start that. <laughs> um, uh, okay. So. So yeah, goaltending, not the King's biggest problem. Possibly, I mean, you know, everybody needs to get better. Quickie's not the only one who is having some difficulty, obviously. The Kings, uh, another thing I want to mention, obviously, for the Kings is their possession numbers. Everybody knows they're a defensive team that's part of their identity. Cool. They're having they're having some struggles. They're not the same defensive team they, they were during the 2012 playoffs. But one thing that they have maintained despite that is they've become a pretty good puck possession team. So three seasons ago, they were 10th. And then they jumped up to second during their uh, cup-winning season. Um, Last year, despite being knocked out earlier than they would have liked, they were number one among all NHL teams in puck possession. And right now they're fifth in the NHL. They're getting better. They they struggled some with five-on-five, and as as that improves, their overall numbers improve. So in all situations right now, they're fifth in the NHL. I think as long as that improves, the rest of it will come together too, as when they control play, they play really well. And also, I think they just need to take more actual shots at the goal. That was, like, my problem. And what I kind of feel last season helped edge them out in puck possession was they did a lot of dump and chase hockey. I feel like they're, they're – I mean, it's still part of Gerald Sutter's game, especially for his, like, third and fourth lines. He loves them to just dump in the puck and get in the zone. That's great, but I think they're also doing a little bit better about making sure to – do something with the puck when they're in the zone other than just cycling it and along those lines uh there is still a lot of line shuffling you know (laughs) flirted alec martinez left wing so as things kind of settle down and everyone finds their roles and everything kind of calms down and everyone gets their rhythm together i think uh definitely zone entry and like puck possession will follow suit and will improve when they're not constantly having to switch up their game and switch up their styles and the like and and yeah if they could stop going to the outside so much and learn that they're allowed to make centering passes and score goals that would be great too yeah yeah i feel i feel like they're trending in that way centering passes i'm starting to hear that phrase used more when like broadcasters are talking about the play which makes me happy i'm seeing it i'm hearing it they could just continue to do more. Like right now, they're still 18th uh, in these first, you know, 11 games. They're still 18th in the NHL um, in shoot percentage. So shoot more, <laughs> and I think things things will go. Yeah, well. I'm tired of hearing Kopitar goes to the outside. Ugh, um, that's his fave, though. I know it is. I mean, and and he does capitalize on it. Or has in the past, obviously, only has one goal right now. But 
you know, I would rather that not be the case. Yeah, same, same. Um, okay, well, well, this seems like a good time, too, now that we've talked about where things are overall for the Kings. The official site is now doing their first player of the month. And here are the five. Ajay Kopitar, Jeff Carter, Drew Doughty, Justin Williams, and Matt Green. Who do you pick? Um, well, player of my heart is, of course, Jeff Carter. But player of the month, I think I will choose Andre Kopitar. I mean, he is leading the team in points, and his playmaking has been outstanding, as is evidenced by his what feels like one million, um, but it's actually ten assists. And he's just had a very strong... I mean, obviously not a strong offensive month, but still he's brought a lot of um, other skills and talents to the Kings game. And I feel like and I feel like I talk about Jeff Carter too much, so I sound crazy. I'm going to stop doing that. To be fair, uh, people who voted on the Kings site, the last, I mean, when I looked at it, Kopitar was winning. Good so know. you're in good company. That's good. Um, I will take this opportunity... I will take my turn to be the one to talk about Jeff Carter. <laughs> I think actually Matt Green had a really good first month. Uh, he's leading, you know, on block shots and whatnot. Cool. And Justin Williams, 500th point. Great. Um, Kobachar is doing very well, you know, really into this uh, point per game situation. But for me, Jeff Carter, you know, there was all the news about how he came into um, training camp is one of the top three in fitness. I and you know he's leading in goals and whatnot right now. I like his hustle. He's you know dominating in shots. He's taking the most shots out of anybody on the team, which is awesome, and it's resulting in good things for the most part. So good job, Jeff Carter. Keep it up. Is how I, I am feel. always one to root for Jeff Carter, so I will second that motion. But I got outvoted. Everybody else chose Kopitar, it seems like, on uh, the internet. So that's cool. That's cool. I'll just hang with Jeff Carter. It's fine. That's okay. In the grand scheme of things, if Thanks Bud were to do a poll like that, um, the only options would were to be like Jeff Carter. Would just be like yeah. all five slots. Right. Player of the month. Jeff Carter, Jeff Carter, Jeff Carter, Jeff Carter. Or Jonathan Quick, if he's having an actual good month. <laughs> and then I'll pick him. <laughs> and then sometimes Mike Richards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah can't leave them out and on that note i think that's all we got today we're going to close out without doing the five minute majors um because mostly we just want to talk about the kings this time um diane do you have anything you want to say before we go Mm, nope um except that i hope as i lied i hope that the kings beat the oilers oh yes me too if we could stop giving up leads and handing games to teams that are struggling more than the kings are that would be so nice and i like the oilers i like a lot of the players on the oilers but Please demolish them tomorrow. Yeah, um, I like them too, but Taylor Hall's out. Dubnik is having some issues of his own. The Kings should be able to really capitalize on this, and I hope that they do. Other than that, again, thanks for hanging out, guys. You can follow us on Twitter. In the meantime, we are at ThanksBud, or you can follow us individually. I am at Chanel Berlin. She is at AKA Diane Fan. We'll all become friends, and the next time we do this, we'll know each other so much better. Yeah, let's all be pals. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Be well. Bye, friends. <laughs>